This is Everyday Ayurveda and Yoga, recorded at Halepule on beautiful Kauai. Each month we cover topics that can help you find balance in your life through food, good living, and the eight limbs of Raja Yoga. Learn more at halepule.com. And here's the show. Hello everyone, this is Myra. And Kelsey. With Halepule's Everyday Ayurveda and Yoga podcast. Autumn has begun, and we're enjoying the cooler mornings and evenings here in Hawaii. So are the plants, which grow more abundantly here, with the days being shorter than summer, but still having warm weather through the day. You know, the plants are incredibly responsive to their environment, just like us. Many of them like moderate sun and rain and not too much of anything. Some vegetables are more challenging to grow on Kauai in the summertime because of the long, hot days. The exposure to the fiery heat of the sun, it increases the heat uh, in our bok choy, for example. And we can even smell the pungency when it's brought into the kitchen from the garden. Cilantro is a plant that is more challenging to grow in summer because it likes the moderate to cooler weather. Yes, and cilantro is so wonderful. I realize people either love it or hate it, <laughs> but it's a, it's a cooling, pitta-calming herb and uh, you can grow some in a pot in the house as well as in your garden. You know, there are a number of herbs that can be grown indoors. Oh, basil and mint and oregano sometimes. And it's such a nice way to have fresh ingredients in your meals, even when you're living in an apartment in the city. All you need is a window with some sunlight and a little loving care. In our work with clients and students, we see that many people are quite disconnected from what they eat and the preparation process. Spices especially seem to intimidate people if they've not been taught to use them in cooking. Today, we'll discuss the healing power of spices so that your cooking can truly bring balance to your digestion and your life. You know, our health on all levels, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, is significantly affected by what and how we eat. You know, you may have heard the phrase, food is medicine. Well, it truly is, and we see examples of that here all the time when people come with all these problems and they just start eating and doing what we're doing and the problems start going away. We have a woman here right now who has a menstrual cycle completely free of symptoms. Yes, and who was completely debilitated before coming here. (laughs) So when we approach food and eating from this perspective, our life can expand far beyond our current experience. And I'll clarify that by cooking, we mean chopping fresh ingredients and using spices and oils on the cooktop or in the oven. My first version of cooking for myself was to have less fast food and restaurant food. But rather than actually cook using fresh ingredients, I had salads and frozen packaged and canned foods. I was attempting to reduce the junk in my diet and do more myself, but still using a microwave, having food with low prana, which is the life force in food, and I wasn't actually cooking. My digestion was a disaster. I think many people are intimidated by cooking these days, and it's a really wonderful craft for everyone to learn. It's a gradual thing for most people to make the changes from mainstream food into something that's life-giving. It's avijja or ignorance. 
and which is one of the five afflictions of human beings that are talked about in yoga. They're called the kleshas. So our fast-paced and external orientation uh, in modern society, it, it cultivates disconnection from ourselves. It cultivates disconnection from nature and from the cosmos. Many people have never experienced the connection with nature that we can have through our food. I love to educate people on how to do this through food choices, through cooking, and how they eat. Nourishment doesn't come from analyzing nutrients in a lab and being sure we eat those foods. No, it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) Most have proven that now. Yes, it comes from having food that has prana, which again is a life force that we can access and digest. For example, fruit may have great qualities, but when frozen, it loses its life force and will offer very little to our bodies or consciousness. Fresh, lightly cooked food is the most effective for nourishing the tissues of the body. The blood, muscle, appropriate fat, bones, nerves, and reproductive organs. When food has little or no prana, then little to no nutrients are assimilated, which then means these tissues of the body, called the datus, are not properly nourished. And this eventually leads to imbalance and disease. It also results in poor quality tissues that includes things like cellulite. You know, we need fresh, prana-filled food to feel good mentally and physically. The qualities in that food are what go into us and make up our energy. In order to have healthy body tissue and experience truly good health, then we have to have food with prana in it. So microwaving it, freezing it, most packaged foods are void of prana. You mentioned, Kelsey, salads. Mm -hmm. People make the point that raw food has the most prana. And this is correct when you measure it in a lab. You know, it has its optimum prana when when it's on the plant still. And then you take it from the plant, and it does. It starts dropping right away. But that doesn't mean it all goes away at once. But in raw form, those vegetables, for example, are really difficult for the body to, to digest, and so therefore it's difficult to access those nutrients. So they might measure really great in a laboratory, and it might measure less uh, if it's lightly cooked, but the lightly cooked is going to be accessible. Most people don't have strong enough agni, the digestive fire, to be able to digest the raw food. Also, most food that's considered sattvic is rajasic in its raw state. Sattvic meaning that it has balance and harmony and brings light. And rajasic means it has activity in it and uh, stimulation. So it means rather than bringing balance and calm with the raw food, it brings more activity and disturbance into the mind. And in addition to being more rajasic, raw food is difficult for Agni. You know, humans began cooking food just to wake up the prana and make the nutrients accessible. And that bit of assistance from the cooking process gives us the opportunity to absorb maximum nutrients and prana while keeping Agni balanced. And we have to keep Agni strong. You know, as I, as I move on in years in this life, I, I realize that it's the key to everything. It has to be there. 
if the acne gets weak, then we start to have lots of problems. Many people only think of cooked food as overcooked and mushy, and we aren't suggesting that. Grains and beans need to be cooked plenty to be digested, but most vegetables don't need that much cooking. Really just need enough to wake up the prana. That will typically have just a slight color change. Overcooking anything depletes the prana and increases tamas, which is dullness and inertia. When the tamas increases in the food and we consume that, then the tamas increases in our body and, and our mind. Right. When we can access the prana in the food, we can use it to fuel our consciousness. So we'd really like to be fueling our consciousness with more sattva than tamas. So lightly cooking the food allows us to access that prana. Another key support for assimilating the prana is the use of herbs and spices in our cooking. Many people think that spices are just for taste. While they do enhance the taste of the meal, it's not the main purpose from the perspective of Ayurveda. More important than taste, spices support digestion and when used in proper amounts and combinations, they can bring balance to the meal. In Ayurveda, it's suggested that we have all six tastes in every meal as much as possible. Sweet, sour, salty, bitter, pungent, and astringent. And this is what will help us feel satisfied after eating. The six tastes are each a combination of the five elements. This balance of the elements is important for digestion and for us to feel satiated, as well as to just keep balance in the body in general. Even when a dosha is imbalanced, we still include all six tastes and we adjust the proportion of the taste so that we can bring balance based on the needs of the individual person. One point I'd like to add in here is too is that we really don't go to extremes. This thinking that more is better is really based on compulsivity and doesn't bring balance. So we stay away from those extremes, and uh, I, I used to be a person that did a lot of extremes, mm -hmm. and I have found that the moderation brings great results. It's only when my mind gets uh, concerned about going faster. Yeah, and of course that's bata dosha imbalance too. So let's think about the principle of like attracts like, and the opposite brings balance. To bring balance to a dosha, Increase the elements and the qualities that are opposite the qualities of the dosha. For example, vata dosha is the air and the ethers and has the qualities of being mobile, cold, dry, and light. So when vata is in excess, it's going to be balanced by the earth, fire, and water elements and the tastes that are associated with those. So this would include foods that are warm and moist and have heavy qualities. Those qualities that are opposite the imbalanced dosha. I remember when I first started learning this that it was so hard. And so I'm trying to, to explain it just in its really simplest form. And then we have to listen to it again and again, most of us, yes. <laughs> so that it can become uh, a way of thinking that we think about balancing things rather than more, more, more. 
So it's important to stay in the moderate range and avoid going to extremes, as I've said a few times. Ayurveda is not black and white, and it would be rare that we have an extreme treatment. There could be the case. There's always an exception, but mostly not. When you think about spicing in that respect, then that would be having a really spicy meal. It would be considered an extreme. Okay. Having a hot, spicy meal, correct? Yes. Okay. I often make the point that Ayurveda isn't about rules, but more about applying principles from nature in a specific situation or context, so for the individual. Hence, the individual and personal nature of the application of Ayurveda. Any dosha can go out of balance at any time, depending on how we're living and eating. And this depends on, and is affected by, our spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical state. So imbalance leads to symptoms, and symptoms mean you have embarked on the pathway to disease. And this is correctable. Diet and the use of spices play a large role in the correction process, as well as our ongoing health, and our enjoyment of food. And enjoyment of life. Yes. <laughs> each taste is made up of a blend of the elements, and the degree of prominence of each element is what creates the variation in the tastes. And as mentioned, we need to have a blend and a proper amount of all six tastes to allow digestion to happen fully. We have a blog post on our website that has a chart listing the tastes and their corresponding elements and the key qualities as well. Just type rasa, that's R-A-S-A, which is the Sanskrit word for taste, into the search bar and you'll find the post. Or you can just search tastes. I'll briefly go through them now and give you the information on their primary elements. So the sweet taste is made up of earth and water. It has the qualities of being damp and cold and heavy. It balances pitta and vata. Sour has the earth and fire elements, and it is damp, and it's hot and light. And it's good for balancing vata. Salty has the fire and water elements, and it's damp and hot and heavy. Good for balancing vata. Bitter is air and ethers. It's dry and cold and light, and good for balancing pitta and kapha. Pungent, which is a hot spicy, is made up of the air elements and fire element. It's dry and hot and light, and it balances kapha. And the last one, astringent, is made up of earth and the ethers. It's dry and cold and heavy, and good for balancing pitta and kapha. With the principle that you mentioned, like attracts like and the opposite brings balance, we generally use fewer warming spices and more cooling spices in summer. In the winter, we'll emphasize warming spices and decrease the cooling. Of course, this does vary a bit according to the individual's condition and time of life, but everything in Ayurveda is about being in the moment and working with how things are right then. Most spices are digestive aids, and so most of them are warming, which makes sense because their purpose is to stoke agni beyond the taste and the warming and the cooling quality they give us. 
So in warm weather, the body is naturally trying to cool itself, and Agni is supported by the heat of the sun. So decrease your spicing so as not to confuse the body's natural cooling efforts. And use only two to three spices, let's say, and perhaps a little mineral salt in each dish in warm weather. But in the cooler weather, the body's working to stay warm, so use a few more warming spices to support the body. Agni has less support because of the reduced heat of the sun, in other words, the cold weather outside. Increasing your digestive spices will support your Agni. You know, we talk about Agni often because its condition is extremely important for our physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being, as I said earlier. Mm -hmm. It's the main component of Ojas, which is our vitality and our immunity. So many people approach us these days, and they're just completely depleted and exhausted. And this is when you've been drawing on your ojas too much and not feeding it properly. And ojas is fed by the proper digestion of high-quality food and spices as well. And it's the fresh spices that have more prana. So becoming familiar with what fresh spices are is important in the path to health. Keeping your spices out of the sunlight once they're picked is important. This includes fresh herbs like cilantro and basil, as well as dried seeds and powders. In dry, cool, and dark storage, then they're good for 6 to 12 months. Banyan Botanicals does have really nice organic spices and herbs that we use at Holly Pule to supplement what we grow ourselves at Durga Farms. And you can link to them easily from our website. To maintain freshness in your spices, airtight containers in the dark, as Kelsey mentioned, but also I would suggest glass containers or ceramic containers. Stainless steel can be okay too, but I would stay away from plastic. You know, spices, gosh, when I was growing up, it was considered very cool to have a spice rack hanging on the wall and have your spices sitting in there. And it did look really pretty, but it, it in clear jars, it's going to destroy the prana quickly. And I remember spices then always, they were, they were just tasteless. There was nothing there. And then you want to use more. And, yeah, exactly, <laughs> more and more. <laughs> so best store the spices in a cupboard or in a drawer, and then you can enjoy their prana and the incredible aroma that comes each time you open them. So just as we lightly cook food to wake up the prana, we do this with the spices also. So choose a high-quality oil that's appropriate for your current state of balance. So ghee, of course, is a wonderful oil that balances all doshas and supports agony. So when cooking, you want to heat the oil and then add the fresh spices as the oil is already hot. And so, in other words, you want to warm the oil up. Now, it doesn't have to be excessively hot, but probably something like a medium-type heat, which, of course, varies according to your pan and your stove and so forth. But add the fresh spices, uh, such as ginger and turmeric, the roots, and then your seeds. So these are things that take a little more cooking than the powders or fresh herbs. You want to simmer those seeds until the aroma is present. And then you add your other spices. Then you might add the powders and that. And then your fresh and leafy type things might come last, or you might even wait until the end of the cooking process to put them in. So taking time to cook your spices prior to adding veggies and water will wakes up the prana in the spices. 
and that increases their ability to provide digestive support and it increases the flavor. And the other thing that happens is that the, the spices actually, they blend together. They become friends, we say. And this happens with the food, too. Uh, that if, once you cook the spices and you put the vegetables in, and after you cook them, you let them sit just a few minutes, and that allows that, that, that blending to take place. I always like to think of it as people coming together to hold hands before a meal. So that's the way you'll experience the most from your spices. And how much of each spice to use will depend on the food, the eaters, and the season. So I encourage you to, to use your intuition as long as you can keep your imbalances out of the equation. So if you're feeling you know, really hot and rajasic, then you really need to be careful around those warmer spices and not put too much in. Uh, because then again, you're causing imbalance in the people who eat that food. So, uh, so it's important to be aware of that. Now use your clean hands and handle the spices with your hands. Get to know what is a pinch for you and then see how that relates to how much should be in each dish. So I have a, a, a pinch amount that I know is per person and then if the um, quantity of people goes up then those pinches get a little bit smaller. I put measurements for spices in my cookbooks. However, I suggest people with excess pitta or those cooking in a lot of summer, uh, warm summer weather to decrease the spicing, maybe even by half. The most important thing is to pay attention to how you feel afterwards and you'll begin to know what's right for you. Stay away from pre-mixed spices because as you come to connect to your intuition in the cooking process, you'll see that, that what is best for you will vary on a day-to-day -day basis, depending on your condition, the balance of your doshas, the food, and the weather. By using your intuition, then you can best support your own health, as well as the health and well-being of those you're cooking for. And you will know that you've overspiced if you're belching, if you can taste the spices quite strongly after having finished the meal, if you feel excess heat inside during or after eating, if you're very thirsty after eating, or if you have a residual taste in your mouth. The spices are not meant to be the focal point of your meal. They should blend together to support and enhance the flavor of the food. For example, if the food tastes salty or like curry leaf, then you've likely used too much. And realize that everyone makes a mistake sometimes. There's going to be meals that are not going to be optimal in this process, but the more you let your intuition come in, the faster that'll go. And don't let that scare you and hold you back. A lot of people say, well, I didn't do it right once. I'm not going to do it again. Right. Now, it's good to see what you did so that you can correct it next time and let it go. Move on. Hopefully, those you're cooking for will forgive you quickly as well. <laughs> And sometimes people mistake cravings for intuition, and this can distort the spice choices and amounts. How do you suggest to approach cooking to ensure that it's coming from a place of um, sattva to bring health? Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, being aware of one's dosha imbalances in advance is helpful, and what, what that might mean. Um, but the breath is really the, a great indicator you know, if your breathing becomes shallow or fast, you're probably about to create an imbalance. <laughs> so, good to pause, 
deepen the breath, slow it down a little bit, and see if the, the disturbance, I'll call it, passes. And then see what feels best. You know, our intuitive energy practice, that we have guided meditations that teach you how to find the center of your head, and this place of neutrality and even-mindedness. Um, and it, that will serve to bring clarity to your actions, and especially in cooking and in other creative activities. So learn how to run your creative energy. If you just imagine for a moment drawing energy from the center of your chest, the center of your throat, the center of your head and your crown, into your shoulders and down through the arms and out through the palms of your hands. And these are your creative channels. Consciously running your energy through these channels will make the cooking process more creative and more fun for you. Through using those tools, I personally learned how to get out of my head and into more of that feeling process. And I find now that the best meals I do cook are when I just feel the process and am present without thinking and analyzing. And this is why your meals are so delicious, Myra, because you're clearly immersed in the moment and tuning in to the qualities and energies of what you're working with. Let's take a short break and be back in a few minutes with an overview of some spices and sample combinations. Food has the power to heal and transform our bodies and minds. When we approach eating from its true, sacred nature, it is like no other medicine on the planet. Learn to use the healing power of food as a certified Ayurvedic chef. In this 100-hour program, you'll learn to incorporate the principles of Ayurveda into personal and commercial kitchens to bring health and wholeness to every body. This certification is ideal for Ayurvedic health counselors and practitioners who want to better support clients' eating habits, for yoga teachers looking to enhance the experience of their students, or for anyone looking to become a personal Ayurvedic chef, run a catering business, prepare healthy food at a spa or wellness center, or simply enhance your family's or friend's eating habits. Visit hollypoulet.com for details. We are back. In Ayurveda, we describe foods by important qualities called rasa, virya, and vipak. Rasa, the taste, is formed by the unique blend of the five elements. Virya is the heating or cooling effect, and vipak is the post-digestive effect. These are important to understand, but they are somewhat based on the individual experience. We do have an overview of them in our blog post about the tastes, and we explore them in depth in our 600-hour Ayurvedic Health Counselor Certification Program. For our purposes today, we'll just identify some key points about the spices to get you going. So here are some examples. Ginger can be fresh or dried and cooked in food. The dried version is more warming and drying, so it's best used in moderation if you have excess pitta, demonstrated by impatience, excess heat in the body, or dryness in your body. Turmeric is cooling in small amounts, which is why it's used to calm pitta and inflammation. In large amounts, it's warming and will aggravate pitta. Turmeric is best used in moderate amounts in cooking, or perhaps in a chorna, which is a blend of powdered herbs formulated to address a specific imbalance in an individual. In recent times, turmeric is quite the fad. It has been taken to the extreme and people are consuming large amounts, which is not a great idea. 
as we discussed, extremes often contribute more to problems that we think we're alleviating. Cumin comes in seed or powder form, and it's one of four digestive spices I suggest to those who are new to Ayurvedic cooking. And the other three are ginger and turmeric and coriander. I was taught these as the basic four. Cumin dispels gas, though if you have gas, you'll want to identify what you're doing that's causing the gas and eliminate that. Remember that any symptom is an indication that you're moving in the direction of illness, so see what needs to change. You are your own best scientist, and your body really knows what to do. Coriander and fennel also come in seed or powder form. And coriander is a little more cooling, and it dispels gas, and it, in moderation it supports the urinary tract. Cilantro is fresh coriander. It's cooling, and it helps reduce the effects of radiation. It can be cooked in meals or added at the end of cooking. A lovely common digestive tea can be made with equal parts of cumin, coriander, and fennel seeds. Each of us has our own experience with the spices and our food. And our experience of the taste can change as we put Ayurveda into practice in all parts of life and our body and mind come into better balance. So the taste buds actually become more acute and more balanced. Some other spices, black pepper, it's warming, as you might imagine, and in small amounts it will balance vata without aggravating pitta. It decreases excess kapha and vata, but it's really best avoided if you have excess pitta. And then a safatita, which is also called hing, increases the digestibility of legumes, and you really only need a tiny amount of it. It really has a strong taste, and some like it when they're coming off of garlic and onions. Be sure it doesn't have chemical preservatives in it, and really just use a small amount. I've had people use too much asafoetida, and then they get, uh, they get sick after the meal because it's, it's too strong. Sometimes you'll see it mixed with a small amount of fenugreek powder, and that's okay. Fenugreek is stimulating and rejuvenates the body, but again, should be used in moderation. It's also a nice substitute for garlic. Cinnamon improves circulation, and it's a really nice warming option for cooler weather, and it's sweet. It's really fun to have in some of the heavier foods. And it's fun to explore different types of cinnamon as well. We use cassia, cinnamon bark, and then a lovely sweet cinnamon. Mint is cooling in small amounts. In excess, it becomes warming. It's stimulating and it calms nausea, so it's great for a tummy ache or for hot flashes. Mustard seeds are warming and oily, so they calm vata without aggravating pitta and they assist the digestion of protein. Mineral salt or rock salt is important to include in, in small amounts in each dish. Cooking salt into the food helps soften the food for digestion and even a tiny amount cooked into grain promotes absorption of water into the grain and supports our digestion. It's strong when it's uncooked and added to food, so I, I don't suggest that. So mineral or rock salt contributes to keeping hydration balanced and the balance of vata dosha, which is so important for many of us these days. Salt in excess or uncooked will aggravate pitta and sea or table salt contributes to edema. 
So that's just a little sampling to get you started. Notice the tastes in the spices and what elements are present, ask yourself, and start to see if you can identify them. It's just an exploring process. And then let that process of using them help you bring balance into your meals. Again, start with two to three in each dish so you can become familiar with their taste and their impact on you. Yes, it is important not to get carried away with the spices. Yes. <laughs> More is not better. <laughs> uh, many spices are available in seed or powder form. How do you experience them as different? The seeds tend to be more warming, but not always. But think about a seed and the life-giving potential it has. It makes sense that it has prana, and it has a lot of potential energy in it. The best thing is to see how you feel during and after consuming spices in different forms. Of course, you can get the seeds and then grind them a little bit yourself. And some people really like that, and that is a nice way of doing it. Using the powder spices when you're new or you're introducing it to people who've never had spices before might be a better approach. The seeds do require more chewing. And if you're cooking for people who aren't familiar, then starting with the powder is an easier transition. Recipes are meant to be inspiration for cultivating your creativity. And that's a different perspective on recipes than most people have. They're often approached as hard and fast rules. So we'll mention a few spicing combinations here so that you can get some ideas, but use your creativity and intuition as you continue on your Ayurvedic cooking journey. And the other thing about creative recipes is not to try to recreate something. You know, to realize that how you may end up doing something in your situation could be way better than what you started with. Breakfast grains can be cooked with ginger, turmeric, salt, and ghee. If it's warm weather, you might use a combination of mint with coconut oil and either cardamom or fennel. You can also have fennel or coriander with any of the oils. In addition to that bit of salt that you cook in your grain at, at lunch and dinner, for example, you might also include a pinch of turmeric sometime or a pinch of uh, some other spices. It creates a beautiful color, and then you have the benefit of the qualities of the spice. In, in cool weather, you might use some black pepper along with another spice. A fun idea is to heat your oil and cook spices in a separate pan and then pour that over the cooked grain. We call it spicy rice, and there's a recipe in the Simple Ayurvedic Recipes cookbook. Grains are also lovely on their own with just a touch of salt uh, and ghee or another oil. Beans can be cooked with a little salt and a pinch of asafoetida with fennel, coriander, and turmeric, or ginger, coriander, and basil. The possibilities are endless. So there, there are many ways that you can spice vegetables. They can be sweet or savory, and you can include a dash of lemon, lime, or fresh buttermilk to add the sour taste. Our food is meant to be nourishment for the body, for the mind, and our soul. It's meant to be a sacred connection to nature. Bringing the sacred into our lives helps us feel the meaning of life. We talked today about spices to consider using in your cooking to support Agni and optimal digestion of the high-quality, prana-filled food that will bring about the balance of the doshas. Equally as important as what we eat is how we eat. 
Listen to our previous episodes on sacred eating and any post related to Agni or food on our website to learn tips and tools to support your journey to health. But that is all we have time for today. We could go on and on. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you for joining us. If you'd like to work with us to determine the best approach for you, we offer consultations in person and by phone, Skype, or FaceTime. Thanks so much for listening to Everyday Ayurveda and Yoga. Don't forget, if you have a question or a topic you'd like us to cover, just submit your question on Facebook or Twitter with the hashtag AskHaleePule. That's H-A-L-E. P-U-L-E. And if you want to go deeper on your own path toward health, book a consultation at hollypule.com. In Ayurveda, we understand that we each have a unique constitution. Halipule's tridoshic approach is ideal for families and supports multiple constitutions. You can cultivate sattva in cooking, knowing that you're making meals that support everyone's constitution. Subtle adjustments may be required, but it doesn't need to be a stress point. To learn our tridoshic approach to create nourishing meals, join Simple Ayurvedic Cooking with Halipule. The recipes are easy, delicious, and will leave you feeling energized. And the link to join is in our show notes.